All right, everybody, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to talk about trade deadline eve as the Denver Nuggets have had three days off here. We've had plenty of time to relax, to ruminate, to figure out what the hell is going on, and in that stretch it appears that the NBA has started to get moving on the trade deadline here. We had a few trades today that I definitely want to cover. And we had some conversations today with Michael Malone. And I wanted to share some of my insights from that as well. Just being at practice, asking some questions and getting, I think, some interesting answers on where Denver is at from the NBA trade deadline standpoint. Hope everybody is having a great night. I know that trade deadline time gets a little bit crazy. Everybody wants to know all the information, and I understand that entirely. Um, But yeah, just wanted to say hello to everybody. See a lot of friendly faces in the chat. What's up, Cedric? Uh, What's up, Nadine? What's up, Ben Mack? Thank you guys for hanging out with me today. As always, it's always a pleasure Uh, We just passed 6K subscribers on the YouTube front, which uh, is a big, big deal for us. And like, I mean, we started this thing, I remember about this time last year, where we had about 500 subs uh, just on what was a kind of a dormant YouTube channel at the time. And then I started podcasting live here, Uh, Anilo Piro, Swipa, we just like started really getting into the, the swing of things from an NBA side and really uh really doing some good stuff and Cody Rourke came on for Good Morning Broncos and I've got some other fun things in the works and doing shorts and things like that Kim Becker's always on doing her her thing uh doing the mile high minute basically and it's been great it's been great to see uh really really appreciate everybody for the love and support if you can please rate review and subscribe to the audio side of this pod if you can if you like the content Uh, But if you're just on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe to the video. That always helps us out. All right. Going to do two segments today. They'll probably go a little bit long in both of them. uh, But wanted to do kind of first and foremost, what's going on around the NBA right now? Uh, Some of this stuff affects Denver. Some of it does not. But there is a very clear thing here that's kind of coming down that the Denver Nuggets are in an arms race right now with a lot of other NBA teams. A lot of teams are getting very feisty when it comes to the trade deadline. Some deals may happen. Some deals may not. But we got some good examples today of contenders that are loading up, that are trying to do their best to become the best teams that they can be. Uh, Three trades today. We'll go over them in chronological order. First one, uh, Utah traded Simone Fontecchio to the Pistons for Kevin Knox and a 2024 second round pick to the uh, via the Washington Wizards. That's basically going to be like the, the 33rd pick in the draft this year. That one doesn't mean that much, but it got me thinking about the Pistons being like, what are you guys doing? Like, shouldn't the Pistons be trying to rebuild and build through the draft and do all those things and try to be adding young talent and talent that they can believe in going forward? That's what they should be doing as a rebuilding organization. But everything you see about the Pistons just frustrates me. So, look, I I don't know why they did it. Simone Fontecchio is fine, but it is what it is. 
Uh, Xavier Tillman to the Boston Celtics. That was an interesting one, and that one came down the pipeline. Uh, I was on my way back from Nuggets practice today, which I'll talk about in the second segment. But on the way back from Nuggets practice and Xavier Tillman of the Memphis Grizzlies, who has given Denver some trouble in the past, has given them some battles. Uh, He gets moved to the Boston Celtics for two second-round picks. Uh, They had an open roster spot and decided, you know what? We're going to add a good backup center. I wouldn't call Xavier Tillman anything more than that. I think that he has shown some interesting stuff. He's shown some playmaking stuff for sure. Uh, But I do think that he's a good enough player that could have really helped a, a championship team. And it's not like you're looking for him to play this massive role, especially in Boston. Like they need him in a playoff series to be able to battle. Like hypothetically, Joel Embiid comes back. You want him to be posting up uh, Xavier Tillman and wearing himself down over the course of a playoff series. That would be what Boston wants to do. They want to keep Chris Stapps Porzingis out of the post. They would like to avoid that. And I think if you're Denver, that's one that hypothetically Denver gets to the finals and Boston is facing them and you, they've just got another extra big that they can throw at Nikola Jokic. It's not like the like Jokic and Harrison Wind aptly pointed out today that Xavier Tillman was one of the players that Nikola Jokic collected a perfect triple-double on earlier this year. Uh, so let's be clear, this isn't going to be like a, a massively impactful ad. But if they get 5% more challenging in a Denver matchup because they have Xavier Tillman. That seems like a pretty big addition. And like I'm, I'm curious to see how he works out there because they've added bigs in the past, Boston has, like Mike Muscala last year. It did not work out well. So let's see if Xavier Tillman can like pencil himself into some rotation time there and, and be a good kind of Al Horford replacement in the rotation every now and then. Uh, But Memphis gets a 2027 second round pick via Atlanta and a 2030 second round pick via Dallas. So two fine second round picks. I'm not sure what either of those teams are going to look at, but going to be interesting. Um, And Aaron, this is a good point here. Xavier Tillman is a unrestricted free agent, and that's one of the reasons why he was moved. Unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And it would not surprise me if Memphis was just like, you know, we got to get a a couple assets for him. But a team like Boston is like, yeah, cool. If he walks at the end of the year, so what if it gives us an opportunity to win a championship? Yada, yada, yada. For Denver, it's a little bit more difficult because they had 15 roster spots already. I don't think they really wanted to trade Justin Holiday or Vlaco Chanchar in a deal like this. So that's one of the reasons why this wasn't really considered, despite the fact that I think Xavier Tillman could have been helpful for Denver. Uh, But then the big one came through the pipeline earlier today. Monte Morris, who was moved to Detroit in a deal, uh, he goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves now. Uh, So the Pistons make a couple deals today, and they're probably going to make more. Uh, Monte Morris to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Pistons receive Shake Milton Troy Brown Jr. and a 2030 second round pick. So nothing too crazy. That's a pretty cheap price to pay. But the thing is, is that Minnesota had the cap to make make it make sense. And they had the contracts to really make it make sense for them. 
And this one's interesting because I, I was just on a podcast with Dane Moore of the Dane Moore NBA podcast. You should go check his work out. Covers the Minnesota Timberwolves at an excellent pace, excellent level. And he and I also collaborate on the alley-oop with Ryan Blackburn. So make sure to go check that out as well. Uh, all NBA kind of podcast there. That is an interesting one because Minnesota, when Mike Conley's off the floor for them, they really struggle. So they found a veteran point guard, somebody who they can trust, who they have familiarity with, obviously, because Monte Morris was in the Northwest for a long time. Tim Connolly, former Denver Nuggets executive, reunites with Monte Morris. They are basically, uh, they are doing the... They're doing the thing where they add other nuggets and add other pieces that Tim Connolly has either wanted or has already had in Denver. And this makes a lot of sense because I can see their nine-man rotation as this. You have your starters, Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Jada McDaniels, Carl Towns, Rudy Gobert. And then you have Monte Morris as your sixth man off the bench or somewhere close to it. You have... Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's your do-everything kind of defensive guard. You have Kyle Anderson, who is your versatile forward, who they're not really happy with, but I think he would fit in really well with a group like that. And then they have Nas Reed, who's one of the best backup bigs, if not the best backup big in the entire NBA. The T-Wolves are dangerous, folks. Like, I don't want, I don't know what to tell people. The T-Wolves are going to be a very, very interesting team in a playoff environment because they sometimes like don't have their heads on straight. And one of the reasons why they screw up in clutch time is because they turn the ball over. Mike Conley certainly helps them with the starters, but in a playoff series, Mike Conley can't always play 48 minutes. He's going to play 30 to 35, maybe even 38. Uh, Conley for as good as he is, isn't perfect. And there might be a series where he just isn't playing that well. Well, now you have Monte Morris as kind of a a Mike Conley approximate. On that podcast that I did with Dane, I called him Mike Conley light. And that's a, a very, very interesting, very, very interesting group, I think. They can mix and match a lot of different guys on their team, and they are going to form a nice playoff rotation that is tough for Denver to take down. So I'd watch out for them, guys. Like, that's... It, it kind of depends on the matchup, obviously, but if they get the right circumstances and then meet Denver in a playoff series, look, we already saw how that matchup looked like early on in the season, where there is a very, very distinct chance that Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards and guy, and Rudy Gobert and Carl Towns and guys like that, like their defense is just going to be really, really good. And I think Monte helps out their offense a little bit for sure, so... Going to be fascinating. I'm, I'm curious to see what it looks like, but those are three trades. Those are three interesting trades. The first one, not as interesting, but Xavier Tillman going to the Boston Celtics, Monte Morris going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Those are a couple examples of teams that are loading up, that are doing their best to get better prior to the trade deadline ending, and they did get better, I believe, with each of these moves. So if you're the Nuggets... You're now looking at not just like, okay, so those contenders, it's one thing. If, if that was all it was, then fine. But I'm just going to run through the top of the league, run through some of the, the top names and the top teams. And we're going to talk about 
what they're doing. The Clippers are looking to add. They are looking to add some sort of versatile forward that can be more of a defensive-minded guy for them, somebody that gives them some size on their second unit. If they find that, that basically completes their rotation. The Thunder can do just about whatever they want to do. I don't know whether they're going to do anything, but Kelly Olynyk seems like a really good addition to them for spacing. Uh, just basically an upgrade over a guy like Jalen Williams, big Jalen Williams. If they were to do that, that would be very, very interesting. The Suns are probably going to add Mc, uh, Miles Bridges, not Mikhail Bridges. Uh, they had Mikhail Bridges. Suns are probably going to add Miles Bridges as morally reprehensible as that is. They're probably going to do it. Their owner, Matt Ishbia, has connections to Michigan State. Miles Bridges went to Michigan State. He's a cheap addition. I don't think that they're going to have to pay a bunch in order to go get him. So it's either them or Dallas that is going to get Miles Bridges. Kings probably not looking like major players, but if they wanted to do something, then I'm sure that they could. I don't think it really changes anything for their playoff run, uh, at least at this point. They need to wait until Keegan Murray levels up. The Pelicans are looking to go get DeJounte Murray. And if they did add him, I'm not sure how I would feel about their team. I still think that, like, look, any team that has Jonas Valanciunas going up against Nikola Jokic is going to be at a disadvantage, especially from a defensive standpoint. And they just don't have the defensive personnel other than Herb Jones to really bother Denver in any particular way. So I would be... um, If DeJounte Murray's there, then maybe that helps their offense, like having him be as an upgrade over some of their other options. That would be interesting. But, I mean, that also kind of does take the ball out of the hands of Zion and Brandon Ingram. So maybe that's not not the best idea. The Sixers are still being aggressive. They're looking at Andre Drummond and other guys like that to kind of help them get through the Joel Embiid absence. And then maybe if they could add a Bruce Brown or Malcolm Brogdon or somebody like that, as a combo guard, combo wing, that could bolster their rotation for a playoff run. And everybody here knows how dangerous the Sixers can be as long as they're healthy, which is looking less and less likely by the day, but still is something to really think about. The Bucs are in desperate need of a new coach and a perimeter defender, and they will likely only get one of those. Uh, They already exhausted the new coach thing. That's probably not happening. Um, They need a better perimeter defensive guy. I don't know if that guy exists, but I I saw somebody mention DeLon Wright in the comments earlier. He would qualify, I think, in that where you just add another body that you could rotate in there that you can trust. He could play 20 minutes for them in a playoff series, and it would be a better defensive option than Malik Beasley. That is for sure. Um, And then the Knicks, they already added OG, and they could add Brogdon or Jordan Clarkson or somebody similar. Uh, that's a like, the Knicks are suddenly very very dangerous. So uh, Aaron says, yeah, Bruce Brown to the Bucks, that would be interesting. I'm not sure if it's the right fit. I don't think that the Dame Bruce back backcourt is great. I think that Bruce is kind of an overrated defensive player. Like he can't be your primary point of attack defender. I don't think. I don't think he's good enough to do that. Like he can switch and he can be your jack of all trades within lineups. But I don't think that he should ever be your best defender. And he wasn't last year for Denver. That was either KCP or Aaron Gordon most of the time. So, look, that's fine. It's completely reasonable. Um, But, yeah, like 
Bucks are they're needing help. Knicks look great. Uh, Celtics look great. They are they have like a six game margin on the entire Eastern Conference, but they are obviously still liable to explode at any moment. Um, I think that this is going to be a very very interesting run, and as we see a lot of teams that could continue to add at the trade deadline, then you've got Denver, and I'm going to talk about them in the second segment here. I don't know if Denver's going to add. I don't think that they need to add. But I also think that it's worth at least asking the question and doing due diligence because it is very, very interesting that Denver's just like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Um, where the rest of the NBA is looking to catch up and, and might actually catch up if they get the right guys. So, look, we'll see what happens. But either way, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to chat about what happened at practice today. And then I'm going to share some thoughts on where Denver is at. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our friends over at Superbook, who are obviously changing the game within the betting markets. And as some of our Mile High Sports folks are on Radio Row in Las Vegas right now, they've they've got the Superbook hookup, uh, who are the most trusted gambling name in sports gambling. Uh, they've got the direct line to Las Vegas, and now you can use that promo code Mile High to score up to 250 bucks with your first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to 250 with promo code Mile High. All you got to do is download that Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code, and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for hanging out with me. I know that this is a is an interesting time. I don't know. I don't necessarily go live as late as often as I, I used to, but uh, I do like going live at this time. I think it's better, but it's just made it easier to go live in the mornings after games. I think that that's definitely something to uh, expect in the future still. Uh, but I, I posted a picture yesterday of Swipo and I recording from the office, recording from the, the studio space. And I've got some good feedback from folks on they They want to see this full time. So best way to get us to do this full time is to continue showing support on here to continue telling people that you love the show. So if you want, if you want pickaxe and roll or weekends with swiper, whatever it ends up being to become sort of a main, like a main thing, like something that we do more consistently than let us know. Let me know down in the comments. That would be super dope. All right. Let's go over what happened to practice, which not, a, not anything crazy, really. Uh, we spoke to Michael Malone, Christian Brown, and Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon told us that he has a statue of a nine-foot-tall astronaut and was throwing paint at it this morning before practice. He had a little bit of paint on his elbow here and was showing it. So I think Bennett noticed it. It was like, hey, is that paint? And he said, oh, yeah, then told us the story. And, like, apparently he, he has some connections to Orlando still and on the the old uh, culture fronts. And he one of the artists down there made him a, a sculpture. Uh, it's a nine-foot-tall astronaut sculpture. 
which is very, very interesting and something that only AG could really do. Um, I also asked AG what he would say to guys, especially at the time of the trade deadline where things get a little bit weird, things get a little bit tense. And he said, just be true to yourself and understand that like, if they value, they will like they will get you or, or they will retain you or whatever it is that you want in this business. It is a business, obviously, but never like losing sight of the fact that you are a good basketball player, a great basketball player, one of the best basketball players ever if you made it to the NBA and just staying true to yourself. Christian Brown also spoke about his experience this year and just how difficult it is. Not not how difficult, but like definitely not making any excuses, but like also sort of trying to explain what's been going on, what's been going through his head. Uh, he's had it tough, but he kept a pretty positive mindset and then said that he needs to be better and wants to continue to be better. But uh, he said that he doesn't ever have bad days in Denver because he's playing for a defending champion. He gets to compete and gets to gets to play every single night, and he tries not to take that for granted. So I thought that that was very interesting. I thought that was very insightful. And look, I, I've been pretty hard on Christian overall. I think he needs to play better, and I can sense a little bit of uh, uh, uncomfortability there in terms of, man, I think he knows that, and especially as somebody who previously came on this show. So, like, look, I, I never want to pull any punches, but, like, never want to change my takes up just because of relationships with guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think Christian has to be better and I think he will be. And I think that for that reason, he's probably, he's probably not getting traded, but none of these guys really are. And that was an interesting sort of segue into the Michael Malone conversation where he had this to say in his open, uh, for the media session, he was talking about this year's title race or this year's, uh, Western conference kind of playoff race and what that looked like. And he says, quote, I hate saying this, but I think our guys got a little bored last year. I think there were stretches where our guys were like, let's just get to the playoffs. This year is and, and he says this year is totally different, uh, which I think is completely understandable, completely fair. Um, he says, quote, you wake up and you see the standings in a four way tie for first place. There's so much riding on every game. Maybe it helps our guys stay a little bit more locked in and engaged knowing that if you drop a game, you could go from first to fourth. And he's right. Right now, Denver's in a four-way tie, basically, with the Clippers, the Thunder, and the Wolves. All four of those teams are really, really good. The Clippers are 34 and 15. The other three teams are each 35 and 16, so one more win, one more loss apiece. With the way that the Clippers are, are playing right now, though, I expect them to earn that extra win. And then it's very possible that because they are, um, they haven't played as many games, they, they could bank a couple wins and be ahead of all of those teams, which is why their, their win percentage is slightly higher. Um, but yeah, like this is a very, very interesting time. And with all, with how close those teams are, it's a little bit different from last year where Denver, they basically earned the first seed in March, like early March, basically like there was no way that the the Grizzlies were going to come back. Now Denver's going to have to fight scratch and claw. And I made this point in an article today, which you can go read at milehighsports.com. Um, it would make more sense 
if Denver was pretty aggressive trying to improve their regular season record if they thought that the seedings mattered. If they thought, okay, you know what? Rather than be a three-seed or a four-seed, we want to be a one-seed or two-seed. Ensure that we've got a home court advantage. Ensure that we've got uh, the best possible path to an NBA Finals. Uh, the easiest possible path, which generally features, hey, you you want to be, you want to have as many home games as possible. Which Denver was ten and one at home last year, so made a lot of sense for sure. Um, but rather than that, uh, Michael Malone kind of went the other direction, and I think that Denver should be considering trying to add somebody for the regular season. It shouldn't just be saving resources for the playoffs because. If you add to the regular season, you make it easier for yourselves to get a top seed and to ensure the easiest path within the playoffs. Uh, however, that may not happen. Michael Malone uh, was talking about the trade deadline this year, and he said, quote, I don't feel there's a need to address something that isn't there. I think all of our players understand this is a business. You never know what kind of phone calls you will get. You have to answer that phone. That's Calvin's job. That's his number one responsibility. You're always looking at ways to get better, but you wake up after 51 games, you're tied for first, we're trying to develop a lot of young players, and I still think we have another gear we can get to. Quote, I think we're in a pretty good place. So, Michael Malone, uh, over the course of these last few days, has reiterated, and I've, I think I've asked the question multiple times, or actually, no, the first one was DMAC, this next one was me, uh, just about like where Denver's at and how they feel and what what's going on with the rotation, if they feel like they need anything. And Michael Malone basically says no. And I don't blame him. I understand why. But I also think that you can always look and you can always try to get better on the margins because, let's face it, like if any one of these guys rolls an ankle and is out for a critical game six in the Western Conference semifinals and Denver is down 3-2 because they're a three-seed or a four-seed and they have to go, they have to protect home court, but they got to do it without Aaron Gordon, for example. Knock on wood. If they had to do that, do they have the personnel to survive without Aaron Gordon for 48 minutes? And I don't know the answer. I don't know. Um, because Denver is at, they are so beholden right now to Aaron Gordon playing the non Jokic minutes. It's crazy. I want to share some numbers here. And because when Michael Malone implies, hey, I think we're in a pretty good place, my natural reaction is to ask, are the Nuggets in a good place? Are they in a good spot? Like, can they survive if certain guys go down? Obviously, Jokic is a, is a completely different story, uh, but like Murray is also kind of a completely different story. If those guys go down or if they're not good, Denver's going to lose, and that's pretty clear. But it can't be the same thing for Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter and KCP and all those guys. Like If you lose one of those guys for a stretch, you have to be able to survive. Um, let me see. Uh, Cedric asks, what's the word on if we can get P.J. Tucker? Is there P.J. Tucker news out there right now? I'm, I'm reading uh, for the podcast, so I haven't really paid much attention. Um, P.J. Tucker's likely to get bought out, I believe. That is, like, if he was a buyout guy, 
wouldn't be the worst idea for Denver to try to go get him. That's for sure. Um, but I do think that. Yeah, no, let me, let me get back to uh, let me get back to this because. Uh, yeah, OK, so if Clippers say that they could trade him, I don't care because there's no reason for Denver to trade for P.J. Tucker. Because he like he makes too much money. And that's the problem that Denver runs into in a lot of these situations. Zeke Naji is only making four point three million basically. Uh Reggie Jackson is their next is their largest contract outside of the starting lineup, making five million. Denver, because they are a luxury tax team, needs to get within a hundred and ten percent of whatever dollar amount they are trying to get. Like they can't exceed more than 110% of what they're sending out. So they would have to send uh, plenty of cash or plenty of guys, like probably three guys. And that's just not viable for a team like the Clippers. Clippers would probably try to go a one for one or two for one. Denver would have to send at least three guys in order to make the money work. And I just do not think that they can. So I would not think about PJ Tucker unless he gets bought out, which I think is more likely uh, the closer we get to the trade deadline. So. We will see. Uh, let me get back to the other aspect of this. I pulled some numbers here for from Cleaning the Glass. It's my favorite resource for lineup information and data and things that kind of knock out garbage time so they, they kind of don't ruin the sample. And it's got a really nice interface where I can mix and match some of the lineups. Um, so here are some combinations that I want to share with people. The first thing is the Jokic minutes. Jokic minutes, obviously, the most important. When Jokic plays, the Nuggets are plus 10.7 net rating in over 3,300 possessions. So, like, they are really, really good. And because they are that good, they have a chance to be a championship contender. Within that, when Jokic plays with Aaron Gordon, the Nuggets are plus 8.9 with uh, in 2,500 possessions. So slightly worse. Not as good, uh, but still potent, clearly. When Jokic plays without Aaron Gordon, which I think is fascinating, the Nuggets are plus 16.1 net rating in 800 possessions. Nearly double. And why that matters is because if Denver is building out their lineups, if they're building out their rotations so that Aaron Gordon is staggering to play center, I think that there are four combinations of minutes that they need to focus on. Or actually, it's really three. Jokic plus Aaron Gordon. Jokic minus Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon minus Jokic. And if you get those three to be good, then you're you're doing pretty well. Like if they're all positive, then you're going to win a title. So I think that that's that's a good sign. So the big discrepancy is the non Jokic minutes. Non Jokic, Denver is really, really bad. They're basically like minus 10 and a half which cancels out all of the, the good things that Jokic does. So in a playoff series, that would be something that an opposing team exploits, and they will exploit, guaranteed. The difference that I want to point to for people, when Jokic and Aaron Gordon are off the floor, neither of them is playing. So that means that you're probably playing one of Zeke Naji or DeAndre Jordan as the backup center. Denver is minus 13.9 net rating, in over a 1,000 possessions. So that is dragging Denver down. But here's the kicker. 
when Aaron Gordon is playing center, when he's on the floor in the lineups without Jokic, without DeAndre Jordan, and without Zeke Naji, the Nuggets have played 285 possessions of that, so not a lot. They are plus 12. A plus 12 net rating for Aaron Gordon at center lineups. That's really, really good. That is a really, really, really good number and a really, really encouraging number. And a lot of those different combinations will feature Jamal Murray. They'll feature Michael Porter at the four, or they're featuring Peyton Watson. Uh, They'll feature all of those guys playing together. You'll have multiple starters playing next to Aaron Gordon. It's going to approximate what... it's, It's basically going to approximate a lot of the Jokic minutes because the Nuggets will use Aaron Gordon in a very similar way. They'll use him at the middle of the floor. They'll run some pick and rolls and they'll have him screen for Jamal Murray. And that's just, that's good offense. That is a really, really, really good thing. And I'm excited for that. Now, I also shared out a rotation earlier today. Um, And by the way, Alex, the reason I wasn't on earlier today, the Nuggets practiced earlier today. They, they practiced at 11.15, so that's usually when I would record. Also wanted to wait until trades happened today, so the show wasn't dated. Um, this matters because I think that Denver's settling on an eight-man rotation. They're going to play the five starters, Murray, Jokic, Gordon, KCP, Michael Porter. And then they're going to play three bench guys, Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson. And Watson's really, really proved himself over the course of these last few weeks, few months even. And when you boil it down to that, Denver can get to a rotation where only eight of only those eight guys play. And if that's the case, then like if that's the case, and Denver can get to 240 minutes there, and those minutes can all be productive, they're gonna be just fine. Now, guys like Reggie Jackson and Christian Brown and Peyton Watson have weaknesses. They're unproven in a lot of ways. None of them, I guess Christian was. But there's there's a little bit more volatility there. There's a little bit more variability there. Some of it is good if you're Peyton Watson, where he can make some flashbulb plays. He can really change the complexion of a game. And if you're Reggie Jackson, who has been in a playoff series before, where he has changed the entire tone of it in a positive way, that's a good thing for Denver. But what I will say is that Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, it's a lot more steady because it's a lot more defensive focused and there is a little bit more, not reliability there, but a little bit more, and just just steadiness there. Less volatility. And that's what worked for Denver last year. I don't know if that's what's going to work for Denver this year. I think that Denver's starting lineup is is good enough and their combinations with Jokic are good enough that they will be fine and that they'll figure this out. But I also want to open up the uh, possibility, the idea, that other teams are getting better too. And if there is a matchup where, yeah, Reggie Jackson just can't play in this series, or Christian Brown is just really struggling, Or, yeah, Peyton Watson can't handle the physicality of the interior defense uh, on both sides of the floor. Those things are very likely to happen. Like, I'm not just saying that to be a Debbie Downer. 
I'm just saying that as somebody who kind of understands how the flow of these things go. Players that are flawed, the longer you go into a playoffs, those flaws will show themselves, and then teams that are good enough will exploit them, and they will put it into a really, really tough position for those teams. Uh, Like, hypothetically, let's say it's the Clippers, because the Clippers are really coming on strong here. Let's say they have their rotation, and Christian Brown, he just can't guard Russell Westbrook. He can't do it. He's really, really struggling. That's the matchup that they wanted to put him on. They tried him on Paul George. They tried him on Kawhi Leonard, and those guys are having success too. And then you just can't play Christian Brown. Is Denver comfortable with Justin Holiday? Sure. Can he do those things? Maybe. I don't know. I'm very curious. Um, But I want to see it, and I want to see how those guys react because I think it's very possible that – if one of Reggie, Christian, or Peyton can't play in a particular series, is Denver just going to go down to a seven-man rotation? Do they have options to expand the rotation beyond that? That is a pretty tough question. It's a pretty tough thing to answer. And so that is why you see teams like the Boston Celtics adding Xavier Tillman, because it just gives them another option. That's why you see a team like Minnesota add Monte Morris, who will probably be their eighth or ninth man, but like... If he's their 10th man and he doesn't play in the playoffs, no sweat off their backs because neither Shake Milton nor Troy Brown Jr. were going to really play either. So I think that Denver's in this tough spot where they really should add something. They really should add another piece, somebody that they can trust, somebody that they can believe in. I don't know who it's going to be, but if you think about their rotation right now, I'm just going to go through the guys who are not in this group. Justin Holiday, I think, can play. I think he can do some things, and that's exciting. Zeke Naji, I don't think he can. I think we've seen this so far. I just can't trust him, and I don't think the Nuggets will either. DeAndre Jordan, if you play him, like, he played in four of the 20 games last year and was fine. He was fine. It didn't actually hurt Denver, but if he can only play in four of the 20 games this year, is that enough? Who knows? Um, so that's three. Julian Strother, rookie, somebody who I'd love to see them get back healthy and play in the second half, like after the All-Star break. So you can see whether he can play a little bit, because if he can, that changes things. And that would be a good, exciting thing for Denver. Jalen Pickett, Hunter Tyson, can't really trust those guys. And then the other, so that's six. That's six right there. That's 14 of the main roster guys. And then the 15th is Vlako Chanchar, who is injured. So if it's not Justin Holiday or Julian Strother or DeAndre Jordan, like if those are the three options that you have outside of your main group, is that good enough? Is it? I think it's fair to wonder whether that's good enough. I think it's fair to wonder to ask that question. Last year, Denver was kind of in the same situation. It wasn't quite to this degree, but they weren't they weren't in that that it was kind of a kind of a roster crunch there. Like they did add Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant. It was very clear that those guys were probably not going to play and they probably weren't good enough. But think about it, like and they also had Peyton Watson last year. Like Peyton Watson was in the Hunter Tyson role last year. 
And now you've got Hunter Tyson in the Hunter Tyson role this year who has just – he's just not played. So Denver's got these roster spots that they're not currently using with guys that you can believe in. Or not like not believe, but certainly trust in a playoff environment. And if that's the case, the margin for error is so thin that I think it's fair to be critical. I think it's fair to wonder whether that's the case or whether that's the right call. Because I don't know. I think if you stay, if you stay perfectly healthy, if every team in the NBA stayed perfectly healthy, I'm betting on Denver. I just am. Because I think Denver's got the answers for most every team. Boston could still beat them, obviously. Clippers could still beat them. Uh, I think the Thunder, probably not, but like they can. The Thunder, or the T-Wolves can beat them. Like all these teams can beat them. And the question of the trade deadline is, can you make your margin for error a little bit wider? Can you widen it just a little bit by adding the right player? And I don't know if that player exists for the price that Denver's willing to pay. Uh, Xavier Tillman would have been great. Andre Drummond would be interesting. Um, <laughs> sorry, Stephen, I'm, I'm sorry to uh, throw Hunter Tyson under the bus. The reason why I said Hunter Tyson specifically is because he has not played at all this year. He just hasn't. Like, I think he's played, like, like certainly no rotation minutes. So that is the reason. Um, like that, and so if... Denver had to throw Hunter Tyson out there in a playoff series. Like, how great would you feel? I I wouldn't feel great, and it's not because of Hunter Tyson. Like he's just not. Like we haven't seen it. We don't know. And then obviously you can't uh, with Colin Gillespie, Jay Huff, Braxton Key. You can't play those guys because they are two way contract guys. They are not eligible for the playoffs. So I think it's fair to have some questions. I think it's fair to want another guy to be in the rotation, to be in that interesting place and then to be able to mix and match different things where, hey, you don't have to be beholden to just a three-man bench unit with Reggie, Christian, and Peyton. That's perfectly fine if they decide to go that direction. But I think that Denver should try to add something. And if they can, more power to them. Buyout market's going to be interesting. Guys that are on big contracts like a Kyle Lowry or Gordon Hayward or even a Doug McDermott, are not eligible to be signed by Denver because of the new uh, tax rules that went into effect this year. So Denver, like they're restricted in who they can get. PJ Tucker falls into that. Kelly Olynyk hypothetically would fall into that. I don't think that he's going to get bought out or anything, but he would hypothetically fall into that. Um, so it's going to be fascinating, folks. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. Uh, we've been going now for 42 minutes, and I uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like, but other teams are adding. Other teams are trying to get better. They're trying to catch Denver. And if Denver is not ready for it, or if they don't add enough, then it's very possible that Denver does not repeat this year. And that's just realistic. Like It's, it's a really tough place for them to be. Do I think that Denver still can? Absolutely. I have firm belief and I'm just, like I said to somebody today, I am just going to believe in Jokic and Murray getting the job done until they don't. And then if they don't, then we can start asking questions. Then we can start figuring some things out. But until then, trust it. Trust that the team is making the right decisions and that they have what it takes 
to get it done. Everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. been going for nearly 45 minutes. Uh, we will see if any trades happen. Uh, if any trades happen for Denver, then I will... Uh, I'm probably not going live again or anything like that, but I'll save it for tomorrow's podcast, uh, Thursday night after Denver plays in LA. Should be fun. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really, really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always, folks. Uh, Cedric, I don't think I'm ever going to Vegas uh, unless uh, unless I get uh, a nice little opportunity for summer league that is paid for. Uh, but we will we'll see if that ever comes to pass. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support. Hit that like button, that subscribe button on the way out. I will talk to you guys tomorrow.